You're tuned in to the Three Pixels Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Three Pixels Podcast. We're here with another episode for your ears. We hope you're all doing well and having a great time. Thank you for tuning in. And I will introduce our wonderful bunch of co-hosts here just for you, just to give you guys a short while of informative, entertaining, all the package, everything's there. We've got Martin. How are you doing, Martin? I'm great. Thank you very much, Ben. Great to have you. And of course, we have Daviana. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Doing well, doing very well. Okay, so before we get into the main topic of this episode, which I know you'll all be keen to hear, so hold off. We've got important matters to address first. So if you listen to the previous episode, Martin was set the task of trying TikTok for the first time. As someone who has avoided it beforehand and kind of saw it as one of those things that he, that was kind of, you know, not for Martin. It was, you know, it wasn't something that he was ever really going to try. We decided to use our power of influence and uh, our uh, pressure through the podcast to uh, force it upon him. Um, so in summary, Martin, before we go into the two details, how was your week of TikTok? Okay, so I'll tell you like sort of what my schedule I had in mind, how I planned out, and then I'll give you my overall thoughts. So my plan was to uh, use TikTok for a minimum of 10 minutes in the morning and afternoon, so 20 okay. minutes overall in a day. Because I thought by like the fifth day, it would have really just pinpointed mm-hmm. me. So it started off really well up until Thursday, where I realized I, I sort, of, sort of went a little off it, and then Friday, I thought, okay, I really need to get back on this because, mm. you know, I, I'm doing this whole challenge. Yeah. And yesterday, I used it a tiny bit. But my overall thoughts are, I'm still not convinced by it. Really? Don't get me wrong. I, I really, there are some really funny videos out there. Mm-hmm. One that I always will have in my mind now is Life at Year 7. And it was about this kid who says to her mum, at like 12 at midnight saying that they got um home tech as mm-hmm. the americans call it but like um like cooking class mm. and they said they're doing lasagna <laughs> or something that's not what we call it oh, I, I, thought that's what it is. I swear <laughs> i thought it was home tech I, I messed that up but whatever and she's like oh when's it due tomorrow and i can just see that and it just makes me smile every time and even the one when i was at the beginning of it all with the guy who like surfed across his pool to start work. I even now I just thought that was gold. But there was so much oh, like for part two. Oh yeah, I, I, those people I are the worst those. people on TikTok, the life of part two. There was only two people who I thought I actually want to know what this is. One of them was their mum and dad went away for a weekend or something and they redid their like house, mm. which was amazing. I really did want to catch up on that. And I try to keep up with it every time. And another one was about like iPhone tricks. I think I got to the fourth part and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. But overall, yes, there were some good videos, but I found myself thinking more that I have to watch some of this stuff for such a long time than thinking, yeah, I'm really actually fully enjoying this. So when we ease off the pressure after this episode, when we kind of say, okay, Martin, like you can have your autonomy back. You can decide whether you want to keep it, whether you want to use it. Do you think it might stick around for a bit longer? 
or are you going to be deleting it straight away after this podcast? I won't delete it straight away. That that won't happen. I think I'll go on it now and then. So probably like okay. two or three times a week. But I think it'd be one of those apps that I'll slowly just come away from. Maybe in like a month's time, if I ever remember, I'll say on this podcast like a, a more up to date now that I got yeah, top we'll, one we'll, of you we'll back. Yeah, we'll check back in then with you. But genuinely, yes, it has surpassed my expectations because I genuinely thought it was just music videos, people just dancing. No, there's yeah. a lot of creative people on it, and I'll give them their due. Like some of them are very creative, and some of them are very funny. There was a uh, a comedy sketch about a daughter going to school and beating up someone because their mum said to, and I didn't realize that she was on. America's Got Talent. She was a comedian. And that alone, I thought, I'm going to follow this woman now. And I can't remember her name, annoyingly enough, but I watched a couple of her segments and genuinely thought, I think I found a really good comic here out of TikTok. I will say one of my favorite people on TikTok that I don't subscribe to, and here's the reason why. I love having her just randomly pop up on my For You page because she looks like a completely average girl, but then she'll do a video where it's like, what my dad thinks about my hamburger, whatever. And then it'll cut to her dad, who is Gordon Ramsay, giving his like oh. opinion on this. And I just, it gets me every time, because there's just this like completely normal, random girl just hanging out doing her thing and then freaking gordon ramsay is her dad because she had a um, bbc show like on cbbc the kids bbc i didn't um, even know that gordon ramsay tilly. Had is it tilly kids. i don't know i can't name is she like here I'll, I'll... and looks completely normal and like every other girl ever yeah uh-huh yeah there you go yeah, Tilly, yeah, Matilda. Her TikTok her. is gold, but I feel like if I subscribe to her, it would no longer get the surprise value that yeah. gives it beauty. Yeah, I mean, it's, been, it's cheered me up a little bit because she's been getting uh, Gore Ramsey to, to like get involved with some of them as well, like do certain mm-hmm. dances and stuff, and it's really funny mm-hmm. to see. Yes, I've I, a yeah. I love it so much. Anyway, that's my TikTok recommendation of the day. I always find at the end of the day, it's always, there's always some stuff on there that will cheer me up or there's something interesting or there's always something that kind of, um, yeah, just just rounds up everything quite nicely. And uh, yeah, if I've got a few minutes, then it normally, it normally brings a little bit of fun and, and lightheartedness. So I'm glad you stuck with it, Martin. I'll continue to stick with it as much as I can. We'll check in definitely periodically and I, I'm, I'm happy for you, mate. <laughs> oh, thank you very much yeah. but, but i'm glad actually that we actually did this experiment because like i said there are a couple of things that i did like as well as i believe daviana said it about you do realize um how much songs come from there that you'll just actually mm-hmm. like your spotify or something yeah yep. and there are a couple of songs that i haven't done yet but i hear them and go man this is a great track actually i probably will add this to my spotify at some point Something that I have not yet told Ben is that mm-hmm. on our playlist, um, pretty much every song that I have added this year has been straight from TikTok. It's, it's really cute. She thinks I haven't noticed this. Um, <laughs> but I've definitely noticed this. Yeah. I refuse. I was listening it. to the playlist only today and thinking, there's a lot of TikTok songs. <laughs> 
Oh, um, I guess I'm not as sneaky as I thought I was. No, not quite. Funny thing is, you talk about music. The earliest form of income making for creators on TikTok was through music. So uh, upcoming artists or even slightly bigger artists would pay content creators to use those songs in their TikToks. And now that happens with bigger creators that that's the way they advertise because they know and they, they figured out pretty early that people are hearing the song and it gets reused a lot. If it starts a trend, then it's it's really good for the really good for the artists because they get promotion out of it and that was the earliest way and it's been uh it's been interesting actually diving in and seeing how people have managed to monetize and make money out of it because nothing really existed to kind of set a form of system for earning money that people kind of had to figure it all out the expectation is that tiktok i've already put in a form of marketplace so that content advertisers can buy space through content creators and that's only going to continue more and more now onto our main topic of this episode all to do with jk rowling the author of harry potter as we all know and the author of many tweets on twitter as many of us also know already sucked without the destruction of the moral image of childhood favorite, generation-defining Harry Potter. For anyone who doesn't know, J.K. Rowling has taken to Twitter to spout her turfy opinions about trans experiences. It started with a tweet back in June where she shared an article called Creating a More Equal Post-COVID World for People Who Menstruate. To which she then wrote, People who menstruate. I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Woomben? Wimpund? Woomud? Since that tweet, she has posted numerous times about this topic. This has caused many people to vow never to consume Harry Potter or any of her other works, as well as tossing out their light-up wands, Hufflepuff Twitter bios, and Ravenclaw robes, along with anything else J.K. Rowling has created including anything she created under her pen name, Robert Galbraith. The whole incident has started a larger conversation about whether we can separate art from the artist to consume the media without feeling guilty. So what do you think? Can we still read and enjoy Harry Potter? Is it tinted by JK Rowling's tweets? So I would like to first say um, about can we still enjoy the concept of Harry Potter? Yes, if you're someone who stayed away from this, if you could at all, because I know it's splashed everywhere across the media, I think you can enjoy it to a degree. Because when I first uh, read Harry Potter and watched the films, I was quite a young, young boy and I loved them. And I still continue to like them today. As we're time of recording, I've watched uh, Order of a Phoenix and Yesterday... Uh, I watched The Goblet of Fire. But however, now that I know what's going on with J.K. Rowling and her views, it's it's very hard to digest Harry Potter franchise as much. I think now there's sort of like this big grey area on, on her work where you think, actually, she said these things and she thinks this way. And in our current uh, climate and culture, you can see it not being very very politically correct anymore. And a lot of people are upset about this. And, you know, I understand that. People are upset about what she's saying. And I totally get that. 
this whole thing reminds me of I think I'm gonna get her name wrong, and I'm very sorry. Enid Blyton. She did the famous five books and Mallory Towers. When they came out, huge success. Uh, almost inspired a generation of young girls and boys when when they read these books. However, she came under the microscope in around about the 80s. I think she died a couple of years um, just after this all happened. And they felt like her books were sexist, misogynistic, xenophobic. But at the time of writing, um, people loved them and didn't see in that way. And when you do go back on these books, yeah, you can really see that she came up in a different world what these uh, people were of today's culture is like and you could definitely see um the sexism and the xenophobia in there for sure like there is a, a good uh, handful of cases you could bring up and say this doesn't really wash anymore in today it does remind me why i bring her up it this is something that will, it seems it was inevitable to happen but i felt like this would happen another 50 years down the road sort of thing but it's excelled this process now of now that she's gone onto Twitter, said her opinions, if you believe them to be right or wrong, it doesn't matter for this context, but people are now offended and upset. And what's making it worse is that she's digging herself more and more of a hole and offending even more and more people. It's like she has no filter anymore. It's like, I'm just going to go on the offensive now. And I can understand why people are upset about this. I first started hearing about this whole issue on YouTube because I don't really use Twitter. I was actually in the middle of rereading through the Harry Potter series. I just finished book number two when I first heard about this. And as I learned more and more, I started thinking about all of the other people who read and love Harry Potter. I mean, Harry Potter was a massive part of my childhood and my growing up, especially as a teenager, actually. And, you know, even on this podcast, I identified myself as a Ravenclaw. It's one of my favorite pieces of media. But I started thinking more and more about everybody else who has read and loved this series the way that I did. And some of those readers have to be trans. And I'm sure that having the author of such an influential series on your life, speaking out against your gender identity, must feel like a horrible betrayal. At this point, the things that she has said are really pretty bad. And it doesn't seem like she's changing her opinion anytime soon, the way that she keeps doing this over and over in the last um, over a month now, from when she created her original tweet. She has not changed her mind at all. Um, and so I feel like to continue supporting her by reading her books, watching the movies based on those books, buying the merchandise, all that. I don't think that I personally can do it in good faith anymore. And so I make the decision to not consume any of her media anymore, which means that the second Harry Potter book will be my last Harry Potter book. And even though it is 
quite sad. I just feel like it's more important to me to support trans people than to enjoy Harry Potter. Yeah, I, I think the problem is she has really offended a lot of people, and I can understand that. And like you said, uh, you, yourself have come on here, and you know you've been very happy to call yourself a Ravenclaw and identify with the franchise. And I remember a long time ago reading about um, a girl who who was really upset in a real dark place. She was very young, but she really put her, her life, she based around Hermione. Like she tried to be just like Hermione, you know, and, you know, she did really well at school and she was so happy now. And now you've got to think those people who have been influenced by this franchise and really have revolved around their life around Harry Potter, even at work where I work now with... Um, which is predominantly men, we actually talk about Harry Potter now and then and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We all love it. We talk about it. And this has been a subject. And each one of us has said, this has just destroyed a lot of credibility that she's had. And to me personally, I said about I've, I've watched these recently. I don't know if I really want to continue and watch them anymore, especially after this whole conversation that we're having now. It's really making me think, I don't know if I really want to support someone who is anti-trans and just oblivious, I think the word is, and just really out to upset people. Such a shame for someone who was so inspirational and so well-liked and her uh, content so appreciated to just blow that up now. She's fairly young still. She still has a massive career ahead of her, but this mm -hmm. will always follow her for the rest of her life now. And this is what yeah. I was saying about uh, the Mallory Towers thing. When uh, Blyton died, then this whole thing more came out. And when I look about it, look at it, I think, yeah, it's quite disgusting, a lot of the work that went into it, where, yes, it was very sexist and um, xenophobic. But when you look at J.K. Rowling now, she's still living through this. And like I said, she's still added just fuel to the fire, not changing her ways in any mm -hmm. time, and not just coming out saying, you know what, these are my views, which I, I think, okay, fine, they're your views, but... You've got to also accept other people's views that the world has changed from when you wrote this in 1996 to now. The world has changed completely. She has such an immense following on Twitter. Right now, she has 14.3 million followers. It comes down to, as I've said in previous podcasts, with great power comes great responsibility. And when you have that kind of influence, especially over young people like J.K. Rowling has, her books are literally targeted at young audiences. So when you have that kind of an influence, I think she has the power to be really harmful. I feel like the situation would be different if J.K. Rowling were not still profiting from her works. I feel like if she were one of many authors who have passed on, I think that I would feel differently about supporting her works because she wouldn't be benefiting from them. I just feel like because she continues to profit off of her works, I don't think that I can personally support her anymore. It's fine to have an opinion. I think, as you're saying, she has a lot of following. And the sad thing is, she could have said nothing a whole long time ago. She could have decided that, you know what? The books were written a long time ago. What was said was in the past. Let's not dig it up again. Let's, let's leave it be. People can think what they think about those books. People can make their own judgment. 
it is art at the end of the day and that is what art is all about it's about reading it or looking at it or enjoying it and to take out of it what you want to take out of it if you think that a certain character outside of what's written has certain traits or wants to do something else if you read it in a certain way then that's up to you and the same thing about how she's talking about other topics that aren't directly related to the books if you don't know what you're talking about just don't say it you know some things are better left unsaid you know some things are just better left as is because if you're not an expert on it or if you don't have anything good to say or anything positive to say then just don't say it you make a complete idiot out of yourself and that's all she's really done here is she's just made an an idiot out of herself i would use a stronger word but uh, unfortunately i don't want to i don't want to beep anything out or uh or cause us any issues with that. This is a family-friendly podcast. I guess she's got a really good shovel because it's clearly working. She has got a massive history. She can't leave anything alone. Even her books, she cannot leave alone. Once they're written down, she should have just left them as that. And like you said, should have kept your own interpretation. I remember there was this whole thing of her changing um, identities and ethnicities of her characters because she, because she realised that her books might not stand the test of time when it comes in into inclusivity which okay i can understand like maybe you probably are worried about this whole world and yes when you look at the characters there probably wasn't as much inclusivity as there should have been i understand that but to completely just blow up anything that we know about them and just say yeah and to leave anything for the audience's imagination and just go no this is what it is and this is how it should be and that's it and she just completely just completely just destroys any sort of connection you may feel towards the characters and the problem is she has no control anymore it just feels like anything she just wants to get her in there because it will make her popular or or she might just think book sales will come flooding back in because i want to mm. be relevant again the thing of it is is that it's the cheapest form of inclusion mm, to yeah. go back and then say that you were being more inclusive and you just happened to not mention it in the books at all. Like, that is the easiest, most lazy way <laughs> to be inclusive. And I feel like if she really cared, she would have changed the books when she was writing them rather than go, hold on, wait a minute, actually, and then change it post-publication of all seven books. I think it's more insulting to people who you're trying to include because these you've you've written these characters from a certain background and a certain culture they've come from. And all of a sudden you're saying, no, they're from a different culture altogether. And a complete colossal shift. I think that does pretty much more damage than good. And maybe this is because I am a white male and I didn't really notice this before. But I never thought, oh, there's a lot of uh, white people in this. And I didn't think, oh, where's such and such. But now that you've that she's highlighted it, I think, yeah, there is a problem with this, actually, when you look at the, the cast around her. And you've put such a, a spotlight on the situation now. There's nothing wrong with a piece of art, these books, for instance, being a reflection of how things were and the thought of mind at that time. For instance, that who are we fooling here? Essentially, these, these people are going to what almost reflects some sort of private school, some sort of boarding school. And those years ago, it probably would have been mostly white. So there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, the book isn't very inclusive at the time, but let's look at this as a way of how far we've come. 
Like these were how the times were. Unfortunately, a lot of things were suppressed. People weren't allowed to be as open. People weren't feeling like they could be as open. Isn't times better now? Like, because we can look back at that and say, hey, that's bad. If you go back and change it, how can you learn from history when you change history? The thing about J.K. Rowling is that even post-publication of the Harry Potter book series, pre-movie series, especially the Newt Scamander, pre-Fantastic Beasts, there was a time window where she was posting a lot of these changes. And it started with her coming out as saying that Dumbledore is gay. Okay, that's how it all started. If she really felt like, oh yeah, I messed up in my book series, I should have made it more inclusive. She had the opportunity in the movies to reflect that in the Fantastic Beasts series. It features a young Dumbledore with supposedly his lover, and yet Dumbledore is not shown as gay in the movies, which happened after her saying that Dumbledore is gay. So I feel like if she really cared, she would have changed that actual behavior. But the thing of it is, is that she doesn't care and it's just very lazy. She wrote one of my childhood favorite series, but at this point I do not like her. (laughs) And this is quickly dissolving into a rant and I'm sorry for that. You know, it's very hard to come back from stuff like this, especially the times we're going through now where things are very heated and this subject is still being talked about right now and it's still in the uh, full eyes of the public. I cannot see her recovering from this. And it'll be interesting because she's got another film coming out soon, the third Fantastic Beasts. Personally, I've not enjoyed this franchise actually coming out, but, you know, that's not about that right now. But it will be interesting to see what happens to her career afterwards. Because she said, after making the final Harry Potter Potter book of the Deathly Hallows, this is going to be it. I'm going to walk away from Harry Potter. But yet she didn't. She didn't walk away. And, you know, it it almost reminds me of um, Misery, where the author's like, I'm going to kill it off and start again. And he has that crazy fan. He's like, no, no, come it back. And I feel like this is what's going to happen now that she's going to put herself in a hole after this, where people are like, well, we don't really want to touch her right anymore unless it's got some sort of Harry Potter basis around it. Maybe not. Maybe she'll find another successful franchise or another successful book. But I just can't see her realistically becoming as popular as ever like she was back in 2011-12, where her popularity was just trending upward and only upward. We said it before on this podcast that when you have a success, it becomes incredibly hard to ever repeat that again and she had you know arguably one of the biggest successes in literature and then in movies and putting all this aside there was a very slim chance that she'd ever be able to get to that level again and the thing of the matter is the the longer you keep trying the the worse it's going to come across isn't it if this were to happen to the creator of something that you love So, for example... Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so something that Ben loves um, that we're not going to make. Shut up, Martin! (laughs) Stop it! I knew that was coming. (laughs) The movies that shall not be named. If something were to happen where it turned out they were tainted by their artist 
how would you feel about continuing to enjoy them? I think I would refrain from supporting them in the sense of giving more money or giving them more attention or anything like that. I think that I would refrain from buying merchandise or buying re-releases or new releases or anything like that. But to a certain degree, I think I might and still enjoy the movies if I owned them and all that in their own right, depending on what it was. That's that that really does set it, you know, what what the controversy was, what it was about. It's the same for me as that regardless of what happened with the whole Kevin Spacey thing, I will always still enjoy House of Cards as an art piece because it is a fantastically made series. And that will always be the case, no matter my feelings of Kevin Spacey physically as a person. So, yeah, I can make a distinction. I just think that anything that's going to benefit that writer, artist, whoever, financially in, in the future, I would be reluctant to support. That's kind of where I stand. So you could still enjoy the media, even though the artist behind it has been found morally deplorable? Like it doesn't taint it for you? Yeah, I will have a taint of sort. There will be uh, a, a haze, a shadow cast over it. It won't be the same. Of course, it won't be the same. I just wouldn't completely take it out of my life. As I said, apart from if I was financially supporting them in any way by doing whatever I was doing, whether it's buying something new or, or anything like that. And I certainly wouldn't publicly promote them or anything like that. But, you know, if it was on the TV or if I, you know, wanted to, do, to, to relive it, you know, separately, then I think I can make a, a distinction between the two. I, that, that's just me personally. I think it, it really depends on the person. Some people can't make that and can't separate the two and see that as one. And that's totally respectable. And I think that's totally understandable. It wouldn't be the same. Of course, it wouldn't be the same. Like House of Cards, for instance, isn't the same. But I can still respect what was created at that time as a fellow creative. I, for one, will feel a little bit like a hypocrite continuing to drink out of my Hufflepuff coffee mug. I think I think I can't separate art from artist. I think I'm going to have to donate it. I haven't really watched too much of House Cards since the whole thing coming out of Kevin Spacey and that legal uh, action against him. Do I feel like I'll be ever watching him again? I don't know. Probably not. And and what's really annoying is I actually found a game that I can play with Divinia, which is Harry Potter related. And now I'm sort of thinking, I don't really want to spend the money mm. knowing that, you know, some of this money is going towards JK Rowling after this. And it, that sucks. I think it'll probably take some time before I'll probably dive back into Harry Potter. But even then, it, it's hard to, you know, which you're watching something like this, it, it's hard to forget what's going on in the world and what controversies has surrounded her. So this is where we hand it back to you guys listening. We've talked enough, I think, about this and given our opinions on the topic. What do you feel? Where's your heart? Are you someone who can separate the content from the creator or are they the same thing to you? I'd be keen to know. We'd all want to hear your thoughts and opinions on this as it could bring some really interesting topic of conversation. Let us know. Get in touch in the usual ways. Our Twitter, Facebook, all of that's in the show notes. Check it out and let us know what you think. With that, I'd like to say thank you so much to our wonderful producers, co-hosts, all here together to create what has been a really great 
uh, interesting episode. So thank you to Darvi as the lead producer on this episode. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it very much. It is a sad day for us all, but it's really just another way that 2020 has gone down the toilet. But oh well. And thank you to Martin, not only for sticking with TikTok and for his update on that, but uh, of course for sharing his thoughts on this and for being a great co-host. Thank you, Martin. I genuinely feel like this has been a, a door slam shot and something that I, I did really like at one point. And like I said, I, I've watched the movies today and yesterday and I feel mm -hmm. a little bad now because mm. I knew sort of what was going on, but now we've actually dived into it, I just feel like, I feel a bit... I, feel a bit dirty about it all now so yeah but i'll be i'll be all right come next podcast i'll be happy again you know and more wiser in my decisions next time we'll dive right into tiktok maybe that'll cheer you up a little bit we'll see <laughs> yeah. um just, just hope for no harry potter related tiktoks and you know you should be fine please no uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate your love and support. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't done so already. I don't know why you haven't. I mean, this is one of the best podcasts in the world. So if you're not subscribed, then you're missing out. Don't forget to follow us on all social media. Links in the show notes, as I said before. But with that, thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Adios. See you later. Bye. You're tuned in to the Three Pixels podcast. Every time we do this, I have to edit together all of our goodbyes to make it sound like we actually organized it. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's always so much space between it.